What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley? The concerns we have here in Modesto are varied. We need to look at the effects that the global temperatures are having on our soil and various aspects of life in an agricultural community. What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do to take better care of each other? Great Mother Earth, her promise in peril. We are curators of factual recordings so that you can learn and navigate for yourself this terrain of the perils and the promises right here on kcbpradio.org sponsored by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Welcome to the third installment of The Peril and the Promise. It's about halfway through the year 2018, and we want to look back to what people were thinking at the beginning of this year on a global scale, and also in the United States, regarding what kinds of advances we might make in the people's movement for the sake of taking care of the environment. In other words, what seemed to be Issues of promise at the beginning of the year 2018, and later on in the show, we'll revisit these issues to see if any of these perils have been addressed with the promises of the past. But before Adlai reads those uh, statements and we look at how they've either come to fruition or not in the past six months, let's continue the second half of last week's discussion with... Lucille Imhoff, who has uh, been affected by the electromagnetic energy that comes around from uh, computers, Wi-Fi, mobile phones, and uh, what she's learned about that and other people who have suffered from environmental hypersensitivity. And we'll also hear a little bit more from Brian Terrell regarding the uh, psychological costs of modern drone assassination warfare. Lucille, since you've experienced some of the negative symptoms of environmental hypersensitivity regarding electronics and electromagnetic energy, you've picked up a few books to check out and maybe share with other people. When I retire, I'm giving some of these books to every my administrator, the tech guy. Wow, he's probably starting to get some of the symptoms and doesn't realize it. But I don't want to say a lot right now yeah. because I'm still working and I don't want him to think I'm crazy, mm -hmm. which is what most people think. So when I'm done, when I am retire, which will be a few more years, people are going to get this information here in this yeah. town. And and I, I might be on a bandwagon to eliminate Wi-Fi from yeah. schools. I mean, that is so bad. Right, yeah, for the young but, people especially. But then again, the people I do tell, people who know me well, they still don't heed it. So I uh -huh. don't know where it's going to go, you know? Yeah. What the cigarette companies did yep. oh, in, the, okay, in the 60s, yep. the oil companies in the 90s, no, in the, the 80s, and the mobile phone companies in the 90s, that they had the scientists that were getting the data on a corporate level and how these huge companies, in three cases, the mobile phone companies, the latest one, where they're able to, they, they can see what's happening and then they obfuscate things 
and they tell the public, they say, well, there's this information, but it's also this. And so they're relying upon the mystery and the, the, the non-conclusiveness, uh-huh. that they're fostering a non-conclusiveness. They don't want any conclusive uh, answers. Right. So relying upon that, it's like it's the whole innocent until proven guilty without a shadow of a doubt. As long as there's a shadow of a doubt uh-huh. for people like me that haven't felt it in our own uh-huh. bodies yet. Uh-huh. And other people that say, well, there's this science and this science. Uh-huh. As long as that shadow of a doubt exists, uh-huh. they can keep going on and contaminating and hurting people. With the oil companies, it was about the environment and global warming. With cigarettes, it was about cancers. With the mobile phones, is about cancers yeah. uh, and other kinds of health problems. Other, other health yeah, problems. can yeah. you list some of the other health problems in oh, addition? Oh my goodness! I mean, it's just going to be tumors, uh, brain tumors from cell phones at the head, um, like my friend, joint pain, um, anxiety, depression, um, uh, arthritis, and so what'll happen? This is what's going to happen. Mark my words: people are going to go to the doctor with these symptoms. They're going to get diagnosed with arthritis take pills for depression, take pills for anxiety, take pills for whatever else, when all it is is the cellular radiation, mm-hmm. and they can just eliminate it and be more healthy. You gave one example of the boy at school where the, mm-hmm. where the, the, the problems went away. Yeah. I think that he's the, the only, only one. one right now. The students who don't can't sleep well, I don't know if they heed my advice by t- putting their cell phones away from them at night. I, I have a friend that had, she's left-handed, and she uses... uses her cell phone here, and she was developing a little growth right here on the left side on of her the face. Left side. So I told her, and I and now I noticed she uses her phone on her right side. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to switch every minute. Oh if yeah. If you're on your phone, yeah. and they say that you know to switch to because, lower the dose you're yes, getting in any one right, spot, so that it's not so much on one side. And when you were talking about the cigarettes and the and the oil companies and whatnot, in that book it says. It took 60 years for something to be done about the cigarettes, and, and it has other different things. And it took 60 years, 90 years, 60, to finally have things done about it and yeah. the awareness. So And now cellular radiation is just starting. So it, hopefully yeah. it won't take 60 to 90 years for us right. to yeah. it, it might it might yeah i keep telling people it's just going another 10 years i keep thinking about the 25 year thing with the, the other radiation and cancer mm-hmm. that you know by the 20 mid 20s 2020s um, there should be the first lawsuits that are getting public oh, yeah. awareness i don't know if there are any lawsuits now against uh, the mobile phone companies oh yeah um, i read a story and i don't know if it's in here a lady whose son died cuz he was he was at college and he was near all the radiation and he was he was losing sleep and kind of anxious about school and always on his phone she totally believes that it was from the cell phone i read a story and so she's about, got a lawsuit or oh yeah i think she is i think she does or she's written a book warning and then oh. this other man whose wife died young they had a business and they had an office at their home Healthy is every every aspect that they could do. They were trying to be healthy. Except for electronics? She had her router. The router was right by her here. She had a copy machine on one side and a fax machine on another computer there. So she was surrounded by it. She she's she died young. Wow. So And then his the husband, after all was said and done, he, he went into her office and he found the, the book called Zapped. That's another good one. Yep. The Zapped. author of Zapped is, Zapped is by Anne Louise Gittleman. We'll list some of these books and their authors on the kcbpradio.org website related to The Promise of the Peril on Mother Earth. Um, and Lucille, I think you had something else to say about the books. This one, this is a little one. That might be better just to hand out to people because it's a quick read. It's small. Oh, yeah. This one's called EMF Health Alert by Holly Mannion and Alfred Pacheco. 
Yes, and this one has, it tells about the symptoms that people get. And as I'm reading, I go, yeah, I get that one. No, I don't get that one. Yeah, I get that one. No, I don't get that one. So they're right. different for yeah. different people. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for uh, spending time for this uh, radio show oh, today. Oh, it's my pleasure. If I can get the word out and people, if I can help one person, it would be worth it. We've been talking to Lucille Imhoff, who lives in the Central Valley of California, and discovered that she had electromagnetic hypersensitivity about eight years ago, around 2010, and now has a better way of living, making sure that the environment around her when it comes to electromagnetic energy and the exposure that all of us have uh, the capacity to um, minimize the amount of EMFs that we are exposed to, which is more important for people who are, have EHS to take such control. Life is so Life is Brian Terrell, tell us taxpaying Californians again what the drone operator soldiers are doing when they get ready to attack. They're determining who's a danger and who's not. And most of these are signature strikes, meaning the signature of behavior, patterns of behavior of the people on the ground, who people are meeting with, where they're going. Um, the drone also can work as a cell tower and can um, determine who somebody's been talking to. And most of these attacks are simply based on association. And I could not help but think this on Thanksgiving. I was sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner with somebody who was you know, in this case, not a relative, but, but a friend who was spewing out all kinds of hateful things that I found really abhorrent. <laughs> but I'm sitting here at the Thanksgiving table <laughs> and I'm not going to judge. And, and we have a conversation and this is... And you're not about to get assassinated by a drone during Thanksgiving. But I also got uh, a text from a friend, a uh, young woman who's at the uh, South Bend, Indiana Catholic worker. And she, she, was, she had to contact me from her table about her relatives, <laughs> who everyone at the table was asked to say what they're thankful for, and all these people that she loved were talking about how we're thankful that we have a strong military that's keeping us safe and free and everything, and she couldn't stand it, but she had to. But she had to. And we do this with, you know, we, we associate with people that we don't agree with. Yes, yeah, so I hear you. The irony was lost on the Thanksgiving crowd that... If uh, the shoe was on the other foot, you're not sure who would be killed, who would be targeted and killed from uh, weaponized drones hovering above uh, based on who is hanging out with who and what kinds of ideas people have. So that's happening in other countries, but not in our country. Yet. But in Afghanistan and in, in Iraq and in Syria and in Libya and these places, you associate with somebody who is talking about jihad, who's known to be somebody who's associated with, 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 with organization that we've determined to be terrorists, and that's enough to get you targeted. So can you explain why is it not good spiritually for either the soldiers operating drones or the public that pays their taxes for that? Well, I think that was addressed quite a long time ago at the beginning of World War II by mm -hmm. Thomas Merton, who at the time was not the, the great spiritual teacher that he'd become. He was a student who was just out of, uh, just out of college and worried about getting drafted. 
and he said that, uh, well, he said that if we're going to be against war, we have to be against war for a better reason than that I could get killed, that I could lose my arms, my legs, my sanity, that war is going to interrupt my, my life and my plans. Uh, that if the only reason why we're against war is because you want to avoid pain, we have to prepare ourselves for more and worse wars to come. Mm. And this idea of trying to avoid pain and trying to anesthetize ourselves to to life sufferings uh, just leaves us uh, with more, uh, actually more violence and more cruelty and more hopelessness to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the drone in particular is exactly what he was talking about, is like we can find a war where I don't have to be in harm's way. Mm, yeah. Uh, if our only reason against, against war is because I can get hurt, that, that, that's a very uh, spiritually um, empty place to be, is, is we have to be against war because of what can happen to other people. And... <laughs> <laughs> and what can happen to the earth that this idea of self-preservation um, and you know of course for many people who, who hear about it many Americans it's like well what's not to like we can have our war and our soldiers don't get hurt mm-hmm. but we're finding out something about post-traumatic stress or better moral injury that our young people who are flying the drones are, are feeling is that because you know they, they uh, in World War One, they called it shell shock you know, their bodies and their eardrums concussed by, by, by the blasts of these bombs. And, of course, that has damage to one's body and psyche and brain to, to one's spirit to, 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 to experience that. But now we see those same symptoms in soldiers who are, who are not in danger, who are mm-hmm. able to take a shower and sleep in their own bed mm-hmm. and eat a good meal yeah. And able to interact with their loved ones daily, and who, when they're watching the drone, the, the, the when they're watching the video feed from their drones, there isn't any audio. No, they're hearing nothing, yeah. and nobody's been cruel to them. Nobody's been mean to them. Much, mm-hmm. no one's given them a cross look. Yeah. <laughs> much less tried to kill them. Yeah, but they are seeing in real time, close up, intimate. Um, the destruction of other human beings and they're and they are know that they are a part of the sequence of events whether yeah. they're the one pushing the button or they're the one flying the drone or analyzing the video feed or whatever that they're they're seeing what other soldiers in modern warfare have not seen you know uh-huh. um they're, they're very very intimate because they follow their victims for days or weeks often before they pull the trigger yeah. And they're seeing them interact with their families and going to work. And then, the, and then they're seeing um, in high-definition video the destruction of their bodies. And they are, unlike a jet pilot who's gone before their bomb even touches the ground, they're seeing the family members picking up the pieces of, of their dead loved ones yeah. And often they're ordered then to, to to kill the family members because who would be picking up after a dead terrorist but another terrorist? Right. So so it's it's uh, uh, the idea that we can have a war and keep it over there, and that's what people Americans seem to like. If we can have a war, but uh, we can, we have to fight them over there so we don't fight them here. 
is it simply can't happen. And the, war, the war comes home. The war is going to come home. And yeah. it, it's coming home now, and it will come home in more serious ways. <clears throat> as, you know, we know that it's very questionable and doubtful that the people who are, we're targeting with the drones are legitimate targets of war. Right. But our drone bases here in the United States that are not only in the desert in Nevada, but they're in suburban Syracuse. Mm -hmm. They're right outside the um, civilian airport in Des Moines, Iowa, mm -hmm. uh, surrounded again by, by residential middle-class houses with families. That these are all, those would be legitimate war, war targets. Yeah. And it's, and you know, we're, our effort to keep the war someplace else is, is um, spiritually suicidal and it is a bad tactic. Right, so the moral injury continues. The moral injury is, is similar. The two different kinds of modern warriors that are like on the ground or the drone warrior or a hundred years ago, there's still a moral injury to the soldier. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're, people have consciences. Yeah, well, well, of course we, we are harmed by the things we can harm each other. We're harmed by things other people do to us, but we're also harmed by the things we do to other people. Yes. <laughs> and um, that has been ignored. You know, that spiritually, morally, psychologically, I am damaged when I yeah. commit an act of cruelty in any kind of way whether it's to my friends and loved ones, to my children, to my mm -hmm. spouse, to, to uh, people I work with, or even people who are 7,000 miles away minding their own business that I might be launching a missile at. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. moral injury happens uh, you know, in, in many, many kinds of ways. Thank you very much. We're grateful that Brian was able to spend some time with the promise and the peril. And now we're going to go to that item that I promised you earlier. Adlai will read some statements that were given at the beginning of the year, and we'll see how well they've come to fruition. Adlai, why don't you read us a few of the statements? Michelle L. Cook, Denae, human rights lawyer focused on protecting indigenous rights and territories. What did she say, Adlai? The indigenous human rights movement was infused with new energy by the mass mobilization on the ancestral territories of the Standing Rock Sioux Nation in North Dakota against the Dakota Access Pipeline. There is no tidy ending to that tale. The safety and future of indigenous peoples, lands, and waters still hang in the balance and still need the world's full support. At the same time, Standing Rock sparked a movement to stop international capital from flowing to Dakota Access Pipeline via banks, cities, and pension funds. In 2018 and beyond, indigenous people wielding the divestment tool with women in the forefront will be working to stop more financing of harmful projects and corporations. This promises to be another year of indigenous mobilization to protect ancestral lands from plunder, such as Bears Ears in Utah from uranium mining and Louisiana from the Bayou Bridge oil pipeline. We are hopefully at a turning point in human rights in America for indigenous self-determination and treaty rights, and for a remedy by state and non-state actors moving forward from Standing Rock is after the 1965 civil rights activity in Selma, Alabama, we are in a societal shift 
that will continue to inspire more just alternatives. And that was a statement from Michelle L. Cook, Diné, or Navajo, a human rights lawyer focused on protecting indigenous rights and territories. Here's a statement from Annie Leonard, the executive director of Greenpeace USA. I have high hopes for the new year, hopes based on the very real momentum building across the country. In 2017, millions of people who have long felt concern about climate change, increasing inequality, the deterioration of our democracy, and more went from being isolated and angry to united and active. That gives me hope since an inclusive people's movement is the best line of defense against those who want to plunder the planet and its people. And the movement is growing more powerful by the day. Closer to home, I hope that Greenpeace and allies win the lawsuit attempting to shut us up or shut us down. In 2017, Energy Transfer Partners, the company that built the Dakota Access Pipeline, the focus of the Standing Rock protest, filed a $900 million slap suit against Greenpeace. This is an attempt to silence and intimidate critics of pipelines and defenders of indigenous rights. I hope 2018 brings a resounding dismissal of this lawsuit, sending a strong message to corporations everywhere that they can't silence constitutionally protected advocacy, dissent, Nonviolent protests and activism are crucial parts of our democracy and are needed now more than ever. Again, that was a statement from Annie Leonard, the executive director of Greenpeace USA. This is a statement from Samia Shoman, Palestinian American educator in the San Francisco Bay Area. On December 21, 2017, when 128 member countries of the United Nations voted with Palestine against the U.S. President's declaration of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, my hope for Palestine was renewed. This hope grew when popular singer Lord canceled, on moral grounds, her upcoming concert in Tel Aviv on Christmas Day. Her announcement revalidated that the boycott, divestment, sanctions movement, which seeks to end international support for Israel's brutal occupation of Palestine, is growing and working. The action and resilience of Ahed Tamimi, the Palestinian teen activist who stood up to Israeli soldiers' aggressions, has filled Palestinians with hope that there is a new generation leading the resistance. My hope is that one day soon the American populace will catch up to the international community which seems more aware of the growing violence and oppression against Palestine, Palestinians at the hands of the Israeli government and military forces, and more willing to speak out about it. And when the streets of America are filled with people supporting Palestine's rights to self-determination and liberation, this hope will be fulfilled. That was a statement from Samia Shulman, a Palestinian-American educator in the San Francisco Bay Area. Thank you, Adelaide. We want to remind our listeners that the views expressed on this radio show, The Promise and the Peril, are not necessarily the views of the Peace Life Center of Modesto or kcbpradio.org and its owners. So, um, 
you just you just read to us three statements that were published in the Peace Life Center's um, magazine called Connections that came out at the beginning of the year. So what's happening in uh, Virginia and West Virginia is that they've been able to have the courts uh, issue orders to stop the construction. That's one of the arenas where uh, the people's movement for taking care of the water is going well. So basically, Precision Pipeline is the name of the company, Precision Pipeline, but it's been well documented about their incompetence when it comes to causing landslides during pipeline construction. So all this data about human mismanagement, even in the construction, let alone the later on phases of maintenance and making sure that natural disasters and et cetera, just natural wear and tear, don't cause more problems um, for the environment. That's the effort to stop the Mountain Valley Pipeline uh, for the sake of the state of Virginia. One of the new frontiers within grassroots activism is the divestment campaigns. When divestment happens, people take their money away from those entities uh, that are wanting the money. So repurposing your money uh, by taking it out of banks like Wells Fargo, um, repurposing it into organizations or into better uh, financial institutions. And that means leveraging the collective will through mass individual actions to force the perpetrators of corrupt and unscrupulous behavior to directly lose profits, in essence, to boycott. Half a year ago, Los Angeles City Hall officially voted to divest their money for Wells Fargo. And um, this has been one of those instances, there's been a chain reaction of these cities uh, where these large economies of big cities have taken their money away from Wells Fargo. Yes, and another one of those signs of promise um, is uh, just in this past year, in 2018, in the school year, a growing number of schools have taken the lead on climate action. There's been uh, 18 school boards since uh, December uh, 2017. 18 school boards have passed climate action resolutions that are articulating the political will for national climate action and or declaring climate change as a children's rights or a human rights or a generational justice issue. Okay, so we're hearing about this again from the popularresistance.org website. One of the uh, statements from the educators were was pointing out that they, since educators work at the interface between the generations, many of the adults in the schools understand that the moral and spiritual harm for this generational justice issue is already significant and growing dramatically. So it's a good sign that there are schools for climate action and there are schools for climate action supporters um, working with school boards and passing these resolutions and getting the students involved in doing whatever they can as human individuals to make a stand and to try to reverse the climate change perils that have been happening on the surface of Mother Earth. That does it for this week. You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Adlai Fredrickson and Pegasus, here at the Peace Life Center of Modesto. You can tune in every week at this time to learn about the peril that humans make for each other and the promise 
that we can make for a better world as community. Music on The Peril and the Promise on the Earth is by Alzara Getz and Dorothy's Melton.